Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestakop from Firebird Summit. Hey, hey, everybody. This is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. We are back, and I am so pumped to be with Alora. Golly, it's like a breath of fresh air. Oh, well, yours is good for my ego, man. All righty. So I understand you have a good topic for us today. I do. I do. So uh, you all may be familiar with this thing where you're like in a place and you're like, I hate this place or this place isn't, uh, I've oh, outgrown it or it, things aren't uh, as sexy as they once were. And you're contemplating a move contemplating a shift um, and you may also be contemplating the decision point of potentially launching out into entrepreneurship but you're stopping yourself there is this failure to launch there's this analysis paralysis um, and this has been coming up for uh, a lot of my clients as of late and something that is very very uh, near and dear to me as someone who has been in supportive organizations for so long, I mean, former army officer, um, blood, sweat, and tears, and wouldn't even have questioned running up a hill um, to fight a battle. But there was something about betting on me that just freaked me out to no movement, no traction, and all that. So Allura, that's that's where I'm at. Okay, so this is a good one because this is actually, even if it's not, you know, striking out to entrepreneurship, the truth is like a lot of people get stuck in, you know, analysis paralysis. There's like this fantasy about what they want something to be or what they hope something could be. And there's, you know, a tendency sometimes to really get stuck where you are. And that can be true of, you know, just a new job, or it could be true of, you know, moving to a new, a new community or God, I'm getting married. Like, I mean, it's so like, it can be on any level, like in, in so many places. Right. So I think the, the, um, the entrepreneurship one is just one way that it shows up. So I think, you know, the thing that I always ask is, or that, that I try to get to, whether I ask directly or not is, you know, is there, someone else that if you were betting on you would just go all in and wouldn't hesitate and i think that is i love the look on your face i think to me that's that you know you you just made a statement which is you know betting on yourself and it's so we're such harsh critics of ourselves. but you know my question for you in that case right when you were getting ready would be okay well but if you were betting on your wife would you have had anywhere near the hesitation you had betting on yourself? And the answer is 100% no. I wouldn't even have took it. So, so funny thing is, so you, you, you spark up something. So right before uh, the pandemic happened, um, one of the things that me and uh, Japri had talked about was 
her launching and opening up her own learning center. And that's something we've talked, she's talked about our entire marriage. I mean, this is like when we were dating, she was talking about being one day her own learning center director. And I was already contemplating quitting uh, my, my former job. And the fact that she was like, I'm thinking about this learning center. I went in. Like I started contacting our realtor who sold us our house. Like, I mean, I was like, boom, boom, boom. I was like, we need something with multiple rooms because you need somewhere that you could do parent engagement. Like I was like full blown operations mode. But then she was like, stop, time out. I don't know if I want to do it. And I'm like, what? I'm already 10 years down the line on this thing, lady. What are you talking about? Stop. She was like, well, focus on you. And I was like, there's that, there's that. <laughs> so that's awesome. I think that is so common, right? Like that's, it's so much easier, I think in so many ways. And especially if you're kind of like an operational person who likes to like figure out how to make stuff happen. Um, you know, I found this about myself and, and for a long time, I had people constantly saying to me, well, you're, you know, the career path you're on is, you know, are you interested in being CEO? And I'm like, no, actually I'm not. I don't want to be the CEO. I don't want to own the vision. I am a great COO. And like, that's very much my role. Like I want somebody to have a vision that I can buy into. And then I want to be the one who figures out how to make it happen because that's the fun part for me. And that's where I get really excited about stuff. And to be fair, it's also, you know, part of why I like coaching because like, I don't have to be the one who owns the vision. Like, I don't want to own that for someone else. Um, you know, I just want to understand and respect the vision that someone else has enough to help them figure out how to get there. And so um, the thing I think that you just described is so common though. And I think it also contributes to some of the analysis paralysis that you were talking about, right? Because it's, you know, if you are maybe uneasy about your own plans, it's really fantastic distraction material to be like, I, I'm going to put mine on the back burner and I'm going to focus on yours because I can go all in because there's no risk in that for you, right? Like it's so like you don't have the kind of ego investment or, or self-image investment in her vision that you have in your own. And so, so like you, you can't be hitting between the eyes this early um because i think you just hit something there for me and i've always been in, in this epic battle of intent uh and motive of the actions that i take and trying to be very very thoughtful to make sure my ego and the self-servingness of ego um is not present and and that's that's the servant leader in me that I that I I I'm so I'm so conscious about uh, because I know there have been times in my career that ego was front and center and it really was about me um, and and how much you you praised me or loved me um, and and I know exactly what those scenarios and situations were in my career and so I fight hard against not doing that in my business and so. Um, you know, I try to be as humble as I can, but now I understand humility as a business owner is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less and that you can provide a service for uh, someone 
you have something that they need. And I know for me right now, that work was something that I had to drudge through taking action uh, to that vision, right? I wrote down mission, vision statement, all that rest of that good stuff. Sounded real cute. But then it was like, okay, what does it look like in action? And I was like, oh, that's dirty stuff. Uh, I got to dig into that. And once I dug into it, I was like, oh yeah, that's my why. That's my why. My, my why is dirty. And you know you like dirt on your nails. Like, why are you playing? Um, but for a lot of people, they go into it with, they Google how to write a mission statement. They Google how to write a vision statement. And it just stays at the Google version. But when it has to go deeper, I believe that's what causes people to analyze what something you said and them not understanding their individual capacity. And I so love, I so love, I, I just teed you up for because you gifted me something um, in the book Traction. And the first part of that book with that assessment, oh God, was that a gift. God, that was so on time. So I, I'm gonna let you talk about because I, oh man, that was such a gift. Well, I'm glad because I think that actually really gets to, to how you get or how you can determine if someone is really going to get out of that analysis paralysis and pull the trigger, or if they're just finding comfort in the fantasy and that's where they're going to be stuck. And I think the reality is for some people, that's enough, right? For some people, the, the fantasy about the vacation or the home or the job or the whatever is enough in their heads. It doesn't need to exist. It gets them through a bad day. It helps them put up with, you know, a boss they hate, but like for some people that is enough. And I think one of the most important things to realize, especially as a coach is that not everyone is really going to double down and do what they need to hit that next step. Um, and so, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's okay to be able to say, look, you know what? I, you know, I like to fantasize that, you know, someday I'm going to go back to painting or someday I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or someday I'm going to, you know, uh, whatever it is. And there's comfort in that fantasy. But when it comes down to it, how do you prioritize your time during the day? And that will tell you what urgencies are driving. Now, there are always urgencies that you don't necessarily choose, right? If somebody's sick or there's an accident or there's, you know, whatever. But we make a lot of choices about how we prioritize between what's urgent and what's important on a daily basis. And a lot of times we'll use excuses like, oh, well, so-and-so needs this or I have to take care of this for this other person. But those are still excuses. You are choosing how you spend your time and your energy and your resources. And at the end of the day, that choice is how you're going to determine, are you going to pull the trigger and do the thing you say you want to do? Or is it really just the lighthouse in your psychological like horizon that helps you deal with a crappy day? I, and I love, I love that particularly around what's, what's controlling your day. And I know that's something that I'm still navigating through, right? Because even, you know, going into year two of, of full-time entrepreneurship, there still can be those nuances of still honoring, are you working on the right work for you? And, and is that something you need to say yes to and, and different things like that and not even know 
you know, not necessarily even just in entrepreneurship, but I can recall just as an employee in an organization, like, hey, what made me say yes to this role? What made me say yes to this position? And it, it ultimately came down to a head and it's something I shared with you before. It's just really having that, that thought of just because I can, doesn't mean I should. And when you get, when I really continue to ask myself that question, it really speaks to, am I just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff, right? And, and filling my calendar for the sake of saying my calendar's full. Um, and, and, I, and I think now what can happen, because here's, here's the thing with more education and all the rest of that stuff, we just become uh, smarter dummies. Um, I really just feel like that's like, with more education, more, more certificates, we're just smarter dummies. Um, and we're, we're able to articulate um, our, our need to uh, fill ourselves up with stuff um, even better, right? And, and we can rationalize anything at, at this stage in our lives, but it's not helpful. And, and I know for me as an entrepreneur and as somebody who seeks to make an impact, I had to come to grips with that. Um, and there's another book I love as an entrepreneur book, just the e-myth and that, and it really, it, that book speaks to just because you can, doesn't mean you should just because you have the skill set. And I love, you're so aware about what you are, who you are and what you want to do that. I believe people don't understand the type of work you've done to get there. Well, and they haven't necessarily seen my mistakes because I made plenty of them. I mean, I've yeah. taken jobs because the money was just so good. And then I got in and it took about uh, two to three weeks before I was like, holy crap, what the hell did I do? You know, I've taken and I've taken, you know, things about the fact that I've taken for granted the fact that, you know, a situation that was right today was going to remain right, you know, over some kind of long period of time, or the fact that a situation that used to be right, that's no longer right, could somehow be made right again. And it wasn't necessarily, like, those are things that, you know, I think with age, you kind of have to like, you know, experience before you realize that, no, you know what, for a long time, this was my dream job, but a lot of things have changed. It's including me and what I want to spend my time on and how I, you know, feel most productive in a day. Those things are all you know, those things are all malleable and they change over time, you know, and, and I think another thing that I, I underestimated was, you know, we think of organizations as like these kind of big, reasonably solidly defined things, right? The truth is your organization on a daily basis is the people you interact with. And it can, you can go from having an amazing team of people with a fantastic boss and great relationships and the rest of that stuff. And the alchemy of human, you know, dynamics can take one person that either you add into that mix that changes everything or that you take out of that that makes a big difference. And those are the kinds of things that I think you have to really experiment with for a while before you're going to understand that, oh, no, the tide here just changed in a fundamental way. Uh, and maybe it's time for me to reevaluate whether or not this fits for me. I tell you what, um, you like me and you've had this conversation about just getting to that place of does this fit? And I think in this season of life that all of us are kind of in right and, and we're at various degrees of clarity. Um, because of 2020 and the way 2021 rang in, um, 
in this series of uh, next normal uh, that we're in. And that can be something very daunting to think about um, for a lot of people. And, you know, it, it makes people have, you know, question what's risky or is this a necessary risk to even think this way, to think, to, to think about full-time happiness and, and all these other things. And, and to me, um, I, I just, I threw, I bring up my wife and she's such a clear example of somebody taking a shot on themselves in this, this new season of life. And, and I never forget something she said when, you know, she was considering taking a new opportunity and something she just kept having to say to herself. And I, and I wasn't, I didn't interject. I didn't say anything else to her because I was watching her process the affirmation for herself. She, and she just kept repeating, if I don't do it now, when if I don't do it now when like in every day like she would like I would just see her and she was just pro- if I don't do it now when and it, and all she was doing I was watching it she was just making it okay mm-hmm. it was it was she was getting her place to self of permission because she never exercised it there and so she was beginning this new thing of training her mind and it was just the way she needed to process what was next for her. And she knew it was something she needed to do, but it was like, but that's safe. I I, I know what I get over there, but over here is, ah, I know it could be good for me, but right. And it's like, it's like kicking yourself. And I could say she was doing it because she was fighting against the butt that, that was like, that she was trying to cancel out that statement. And so, um, what, what are your thoughts on what's your thoughts on that so my thoughts on that are that that is and and i think that permission construct applies in so many ways and so many things and i think there's it's it's a double-edged sword right because on one hand um there are um there are things that that the people around us count on us towing the line on right they count on the fact that we're going to do certain things where they count on the fact that we're gonna, you know, we're gonna stay in certain lanes or whatever. Um, and for many people, like we build a lot of our life st- infrastructure around that, right? It's it's the it's the house we own or the the car we drive or the job we have or whatever it is. Like all of those things are based on a lot of assumptions, and sometimes it's very hard to grant ourselves or someone else the permission that is needed to break away from those. Um, and so I think that the thing that's great about it though, is that once you experience the freedom that comes from granting yourself that permission and then ripping off the bandaid, I think it's so hard to go back. It's so hard to go back. And I just think back to when I was in my twenties and I, I had been in the same job for more than five years, I had, I was still living at home, not at home, my dad's home, but like I was still living in my hometown. Like I hadn't left yet. Like I hadn't done anything. And I was literally moving from home to home and I had accumulated all of this stuff. I had inherited stuff from like furniture and stuff from my mom and from my, like all this stuff that I didn't really want, but it kind of just ended up being my literal baggage. And I remember I would upgrade a home that I was renting one after another. And it was because I was carrying around other people's 
stuff. And it just became this like ridiculous metaphor that I'm absorbing these prices. I'm living someplace I don't want to live. And I'm just building this life because I have just allowed other people to drop all these constraints on me that I never would have volunteered for. And the moment I became aware of that, I literally got rid of everything that I owned and I moved 3000 miles away. And it was the, like getting rid of all that stuff was like the most liberating moment I had ever had, because all of a sudden I realized like, just because somebody gave me this doesn't mean I have to keep it. It doesn't mean I have to pay to house it and to store it and to move it and to trip over it in the middle of the night. Like this, this is not the life that I wanted. So why am I accepting other people's constraints on it? And it was so funny to me because once I had that epiphany, I felt like I was completely untethered and I could do whatever the hell I wanted. And, and that was awesome and fantastic. But what was really interesting to me was watching other people's reactions to me doing that because they ran the gamut from people who were like almost offended and angry that I was doing that to just like outright flabbergasted and envious that I could do that and everything in between. And it's happened every single time. It what happened when I went from California to New York and New York to Texas and Texas out of the country. And like, every time I've done that, people have had that same gamut of reactions, well, but it's sure. because I, I figured out that I didn't have to live with those constraints on me if I didn't really want to. And it, it it's made it really hard for me to agree to them for any kind of reason when circumstances are kind of like trying to buttress me in that direction. I, I love, I love that. Uh, and, and particularly what I like about that is, is the fact that there's a, there's a something about the kind of that locus of control and, and what we deem and what we tag as important or um, relevant to, to keep us tied to things. And the fact that you were always anchor up, like you were like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put a passive anchor down and like, I'll, I'll stay for, for a good bit of time and, and, you know, enough to get involved in my local community, wherever I'm at, like that I'll be involved. Um, and, and that to me in and of itself is, is a level of, of leadership of self that you could be so conscious to like, Hey, I'm going to make sure I keep these things in check. And the thing that comes up for me, I love this show. Um, uh, HGTV is they have the tiny house, um, the tiny house show. And you always get these people that are transitioning from these 3000 square foot houses. Um, and all of a sudden they're going to hitch a tiny home to a trailer. Um, and they're just going to drive all over the country with this tiny house on the back of a truck. Um, and, and just to watch the family members. And there's this part of the process where the, the host of the show, he goes to their house and they have this process of, what are you going to keep? And just what you just described and, and is you have these homeowners who they're going from 3000 square feet to like 200. And he's like, what are you going to keep? And, you know, and some of these, some of these people, like I, the one I particularly had was like crazy, like about was they had, they had one child and a dog and they were like, what are you going to keep? And it was, and it was the craziest thing. It was like the kid was like having to go through with toys. What toys are you gonna keep, right? And and I think with us in our lives, when we think about not launching, or we think about what what keeps us stuck, 
I really believe it's, it's the stuff that we've said has to stay with us. The things that we desire to keep and we don't truly assess if it's really a thing. And, and I love, the one thing I love, I appreciate the military about um, is I w- I'm so grateful we were not that family that stayed at a place for five, six, seven years and were allowed to accumulate stuff we had every 24 month purge. And I recall when we first moved, it was our, one of our biggest moves. We moved into our first house, 2009. And to your point about tripping over stuff and all this, we, it was like a year after we were in our new house and I went up into the attic and it just said close. And then I spun the box around. I was like, clothes. Spun the box around. Didn't on the other side of the box said new clothes. We've been in the house a year. I mean, this box, like it was like three or four boxes still taped up. And so I start opening these boxes. And I'm like, I that looks familiar. That looks and I started pulling some tags. So in our old place before we moved in 2009 we were close to outlets. And I remember we went to these outlets and cleaned house. Well, we forgot those boxes. We don't know, I I don't know who put them up there, but they were in the attic. And we literally almost replaced every garment that were in these boxes that were marked new clothes. And when I like tossed them out of the attic, Japri is looking through them. She's like, oh my God, I need that, I need that, I need that. I was like, you rebought it. No, you don't. And then she was like, so we were like, what do we do? And you're like, what did y'all do with it? Like everybody's like, what did y'all do? Took it to Goodwill. We just yep. loaded the cart. We ain't look no more in the boxes. We literally two two boxes. I mean, these are nice size boxes. We didn't untape them. Didn't even want to open them. We were like, we haven't touched it in a year. And we and every ever since then we have a cadence. If you don't touch it in a certain amount of time, it has to go. And and that's been the the most wonderful gift as it pertains to not only our lives, but the way that we process our next move. And and so, go ahead. It's a prioritization process, right? And like, I joke that I'm, that my, like one of my superpowers is that I am a ruthless prioritizer. I have no sentimentality about almost anything. So I will, and again, this came from, that first time when I moved across country and I realized I didn't need this stuff. I, sure. Like, you know, when you're, when you're doing like math on, well, is it worth shipping across country? Like the, the value of things gets really, really clear in a lot of ways. And especially when I was going from, you know, a house in California to a tiny one bedroom apartment in Manhattan, like there's not room for stuff anyway. So you got to be super, super clear and don't, you don't mess around. There's not a lot of gray area there, but because I felt so relieved to be out from under the weight of all of this burden, that became the real addiction that I had because then, you know, it was like, no, every, every couple of years I go and, you know, and, and I get rid of everything. I am not, there's very little that I am really truly attached to pretty much everything can go, you know, and, and it's been really interesting to watch as, you know, but again, some other people's reactions are sometimes 
the hardest thing to deal with. Right. So my, I had, I had a very big, you know, brouhaha with my grandmother because she had a bunch of stuff she wanted, you know, to put in the will for me to inherit. And I kept telling her grandma, I don't need your things. I, you know, I get rid of almost everything I own every couple of years. Like I, like, I'm not, that's not my thing. I don't want or need that. And, uh, and she got really upset for a very long time. And it wasn't until she actually had to downsize to move into a senior facility. And she had to start just getting rid of a whole bunch of stuff that she got a little bit more empathetic with, you know, me not, not wanting to take on a whole bunch of her stuff, but it was a big problem with us for a long time because she felt like it was a sign that I didn't love her or was, you know, didn't appreciate or all kinds of other stuff. And it had nothing to do with that, but that's how she interpreted it. Yeah. And I think, I think, and, and that brings up a huge point, I think around why don't people make these decisions? And I think it's because they, we go to these extremes, right? To, to so far to the left or so far to the right around just something that needs a decision to be made about it and, and really normalizing choice. If like, hey, be okay with it. Like it has to be made. Here's your reason why. And it's, stop calling it bad. Like, like it's okay to, to think these thoughts. Like there's, I mean, we, I think we self-actualize and innately we want something different. We want change. We desire change and it's to be explored. Uh, and I think the moment I began to stop judging myself and why I was having these feelings, particularly around, along this journey, I just went, went back and again, the gift of the military making me move every couple of years that it was just like, it's not good. It's not bad. Just process it for what it is. And, and, and that way you, you put you and keep your emotions in context um, and, and don't go to any extremes where, to where you're lulling yourself into thinking traps um, of, of fortune telling and oh, I've seen this situation before and oh, that, that I'm getting this reaction from this person or this situation. Um, particularly around being a being a CEO of of your own life, and you, you, boy, if you better stay out of judgment um, in this career field, because judging yourself and others as an entrepreneur, you find yourself in a world of hurt. Because you need community in this game, and uh, you you would drive yourself crazy. Ever, I mean, I remember so many times when I was younger and I would get so upset that a leader that I was working for had made a decision. And it wasn't until I found myself in a similar position where I was responsible for, you know, people and money and real estate and assets and, and clients and all kinds of other things that, you know, I, I had a much different appreciation and a little bit more patience for some of the decisions that were made that, you know, when I was younger, I no, I would, I could be super critical about them, but when it comes down to it, like I, until you walk in those shoes, it's a little, it's a little hard to fully understand why someone makes some of the decisions they do. No, it doesn't always explain it, but still, when it comes down to it, it, that doesn't, that doesn't help. So your original question that started us off was, you know, pulling the trigger and making a decision. I think, you know, we've hit on a lot of, of examples, but what, what do you ask someone or how do you get someone to come to the decision that either they are prepared and willing or they're just not? Um, can they tell me why? I just, I literally break down like at the end of the day, why? What, 
what caused you to come to this fork in the road to even begin processing change? And, and, and that comes from a very personal place for me as I think about what caused me to launch out full time. And it really came to a head. The crosswords was either honor yourself or continue to honor this other organization who you're not in alignment. And I had a decision to make. And my why was clear about taking a shot on me because of I now was putting myself in position full time to support others on a, a larger scale versus sticking with an organization that had a clearly different mission vision. And I didn't, I, got, I had to get off the, I had to get off the bus. I had to get off the bus, so. Okay, so yeah, so I'd say for me, it's why, and it's also that other question, the one I asked you to begin with, which is, is if this were, if you were, you know, had to put your money down on someone else, your wife, your partner, whomever, would you be as hesitant to do it? I love that. Golly, that's so dope. It's simple, but it's it's like, why'd you ask me that? <laughs> question because the problem is again it's you know that's that's the value of a good question right because yep. once you ask that question it doesn't go away it just it like burrows its way in there and you mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. This was a great one today. Yeah, it was kind of kind of smooth selling, but it's it's one of those ones that I, I believe people are going to be considering a lot over, well, over you the have next to, at the end of the day nothing stays the same right it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how much you love where you're at in your life at some point something is going to create a bump in the road i mean i remember i remember being so completely in love with my job and my career and what i was doing and when it started just grading and wearing me down for the longest time, I kept coming back and be like, oh, no, it was just a bad day or it was just a bad week or it was just, you know, this project or this client or this whatever. And it was it, it took me a long time to just come to a point of accepting, OK, I'm not actually the same person I was when I used to love this and I'm not in the same team or I'm not like things have changed. It's OK. I don't like it anymore. That doesn't mean that I didn't love it because at one time it was fantastic and I had so much fun with it. But it means that it's time to move on and you have to be able to let that go if you're going to ask okay now what what do i actually want to do now and that's where i think questions like if you're going to bet on someone else you know would you hesitate or what's your what what is you know why did have you come to this conclusion or what do you want your day-to-day -day life to look like like on it just pick a random you know tuesday what would that look like for you ideally <laughs> And, and if you can answer that and it's not what you're currently doing, then that's actually probably a good place to start. But having said that, if you don't know what the answer is, that's where you get back to the to the why and what you need to figure out. I love that. Well, always, this is always fun. I don't care what nobody say. We, we yeah, they need to get them an Allura. That's all I'm doing. No, I think Buena Laura is enough. <laughs> <laughs> I will parse out access, my access. Hilarious. <laughs> finite doses. So, alrighty, my friend. Well, I hope I you have it. a week. And uh, as always, it's fantastic to talk to you. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.